In the gradual we read, and he shall rule from sea to sea and from the rivers even to the uttermost bounds of the earth. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen. At a time when so many injustices are being perpetrated the whole world over, it is good, isn't it, to remember that we are not alone in suffering from the absence of justice. There is one who endured worse injustice than we ever will. We endure injustice from our fellow man, but he endured unjust treatment from the very ones whom he created. Have you ever stopped, really stopped, to think with a true Christian compassion on what is rightly called the most unjust trial in human history, that is the trial of Christ our King. Many of the injustices that have been committed against Christ are harder for us to see now when we just simply read through the Gospels, but when put in perspective, it is easy to see. But we must realize, too, that the ones who were living at that time and took part in the trials and the people who saw it, they saw something there that was most obviously a terrible injustice. We'll sort of walk you through this. First of all, in the trial of Christ, the timing was unjust. Jewish law at that time said that trials could only occur during the day, openly, when people could see them. And our Lord's took place in the middle of the night. Sometime around midnight is when they started it at Caiaphas' house. The trials, furthermore, were not permitted on feast days, but his happened on one of the great feasts of the Jews, the Passover. Now, to put this in perspective, it would be like this in our day. It would be like being arrested late Christmas Eve, night, then the trial being held unannounced, untelevised, and with no press present at two o'clock on Christmas morning. The second injustice is this, that the very due process, as they call it, was unjust. You see, the Sanhedrin, they were the highest ranking council. You might say that they were the Supreme Court of Israel. And they were supposed to be quite impartial judges in capital cases. They were to listen to the accusations, to weigh the evidence, and based on that, make a fair judgment. But in the case of Christ, this Supreme Court of Israel, they were the very ones not only judging but also making the charges, the accusations. It is like your case, a legal case, being brought to be judged by the Supreme Court while they were also 
the ones making the accusations against you. Official charges were never brought against our Lord. Instead, he was blasted with questions. And when he didn't answer as they thought he should, then he was beaten with fists. Three, the use of the witnesses was unjust. According to the Jewish law at the time, witnesses had to agree on the basic details of the crime, that is, date, place, and the time, the basics. And if these were in any way contradictory, the case would be thrown out, much like today. And if, and if any of the witnesses were found to be lying, it was part of the Jewish law that this liar would receive the punishment which was meant for the accused. Now in Christ's case, the Sanhedrin, they kept looking for witnesses. Anyone with any legal background knows that the judge is not supposed to be looking for witnesses. The witnesses did not agree on any of the key details, and our Lord, furthermore, was not allowed to bring counter-witnesses to defend himself. He was not permitted. Even the assembled mob of that day is staged. Even before word could get out about our Lord, the Jewish leaders gathered a mob, that's what it was, and they begin to instigate them to cry out, crucify him, when Pilate asks what he should do with Jesus. These people had not even known that anything was going on with our Lord. It truly was a mob. Fourthly, the conviction process in his trial was unjust. In Jewish law, again, convictions took place by vote. Usually, the youngest would vote first, and they'd work their way up by age, so that, so that the younger would not be in any way influenced by the older people on how to vote. That was the purpose. And the sentence that came about by this vote had to be unanimous before any execution could be carried out. In Christ's case, no vote took place, and besides, it was not unanimous because some of the Sanhedrin, for example, Nicodemus, objected. And furthermore, Pilate twice proclaimed our Lord's innocence, and all of that was totally ignored. Fifthly, the sentencing was unjust. You see, once judgment had been made, then there was a delay of three days. This was mandatory at that time. And this was done for the purpose so that any witness who might have evidence proving the innocence of the one on trial had time to come forth, forward and present it. And if no one came forward in those three days, then finally the Sanhedrin would reassemble call the one on trial, read out his name and what he is being charged for in the sentence of death, and then, then and only then the execution would take place. But none of that was allowed to Christ the King.
And finally, Pilate's final consent was unjust. You know it from the Gospels. Pilate actually knew that he was being manipulated by the chief priests. But because of his cowardice, he thinks of a plan. He can't just tell them, get lost. He's a coward. So he appeals to the ancient custom of releasing one political prisoner on the feast of the Passover as a sort of sign of goodwill. But this is unjust in many ways. Worst of all, that our God, our Savior, was being compared to Barabbas, a robber, a murderer, and Pilate already knew that man's guilt and Christ's innocence. And remember that even before this happened, Pilate proclaimed, I find no cause in him. Therefore, go and have him scourged according to your law. After all this then, our Lord was overwhelmed with the most atrociously unjust treatment all through his passion. The very God who became man in order to redeem our race was condemned as the worst of the criminals. Now, as I said at the beginning, we live in times that are filled with injustice. Our rights, and I'm not talking about freedom of speech and all those political things, are being stripped away. We are being fed lie after lie, and now there are rumors of war hanging over our heads. We're overwhelmed sometimes at the number of our trials and the injustices, and we have nowhere to turn on this earth for recourse. How then are we, we Catholics, to conduct ourselves? Well, the proper response to any injustice is that of anger. St. Thomas tells us, he who is not angry when there is just cause for anger is immoral. Why? Because anger looks to the good of justice. And if you can live amidst injustice without anger, you are immoral as well as unjust. But this anger, to be good, virtuous, must be always controlled, moderated, and proportioned to the injustice. But when man is overwhelmed with trials and surrounded on all sides by wickedness, moral depravity, no recourse, and can only see the hand of God, the hand of man at work, then his anger can so easily be turned into bitterness and hatred, and his charity will languish. As one scripture commentary said, that they who were warm with the love to Christ and Christians, when they see so many afflictions of the Christians, will cease to be warm. They will grow cold their love will be turned into hatred and disgust. But then our Lord says, 
Only he that shall endure to the end shall be saved. And this requires patience and longanimity. But what do we do when the injustices cannot be corrected, when we've tried through voting and uh, all sorts of political rallies and everything else, and the injustices are not corrected? What then is to be our response? Well, call to mind the injustices which Christ our King endured and bear all of your injustices in a spirit of reparation. But at a certain point, and this is the key, at a certain point, we all have to stop looking at the hand of evil men perpetrating the injustices and see the hand of God dealing justice to a world that has either never accepted him or has turned against him. Cease to look at injustices committed against us and see how unjustly we have treated Christ the King in our day. All that we suffer from in the world today are just afflictions imposed upon us by a just but merciful God for our personal sin and the sins of nations that reject Christ's rule. Father Fahey says this, all disasters which can bring communities to reflection serve for the accomplishment of God's designs. War, plagues, disaster of every sort, more particularly calamities of the intellectual and moral order, we have all of these, can touch them and bring them back to penance. The purpose of his punishment is to bring us back. So really, and I end on this, it all boils down to one response for us as Catholics. This is the proper response. To humble oneself before God, to accept his just punishments, and to do penance for the injustices done to Christ the King. Because after all, he is the only one who can ever really, truly, be said to receive any injustice. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.